Hey, babe. Yeah. No, it was pretty bad. I'll tell you about it when I get home. Hey, do you know if you can take aspirin and melatonin together? No, no he didn't hit me. It just didn't go well. Uh, I don't know if I can keep pastoring these guys if they're not going to follow my leadership, but we'll talk about it when I get home. I'll see you soon. Hey, pastor. Do you have a second? Yeah, sure. Come on. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that didn't go the way you wanted it to go. You know, Steve, it's... It's not about me. I just really don't think this is a good decision for the church. I actually really thought you were going to back me up. Yeah, well, I guess I see both sides. You think that you can let this one go? I I guess that's kind of what I have to decide. I'm really starting to get tired of feeling like I don't have a voice. I gave in when we switched to the LSB because Dave is obsessed with John MacArthur. I gave in when we got rid of the choir robes, even though that's totally scandalous. I gave in when we switched out the urinal cakes for those little spiky things, although that turned out to be a pretty good idea. Yeah, definitely. Steve, this one's too much, man. Do you know how long our people have been looking forward to the Super Bowl party? Months, Steve. Months. And what do people think about when they think about the Super Bowl? Chicken wings. I don't care what the finance committee says. We can afford some of those tender, juicy bird bites. Uh, I'm sorry, man. The budget's been so tight. I have been on a diet for three months, Steve. My whole cheat day has been centered around those fried flappers, man. I've been dreaming about them. They're clucking at me. What's a Super Bowl without my saucy beak treats? When your leadership team makes a decision you don't agree with, you have some decisions to make. Do you fight it? Do you complain? Do you make sure people who don't like the decision know you didn't like it either? On this episode of Rural Pastors. Well, this is Rural Pastors Talk, a podcast to re-energize the rural church by equipping and encouraging rural pastors. I am TJ Freeman. I'm a rural pastor, one of the pastors at Wellsboro Bible Church on this glorious hillside in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. And I'm joined by my bros. Hey, y'all. I'm Joe Wagner. I have been a rural pastor for almost 15 years. Right now, I am on staff here at Wellsboro Bible Church. What's going on, guys? This is Joshua McLaren. Uh, I tried to leave rural ministry at least three times, Mm. but God kept me here, and I praise him that he did. Amen to that. we tied you up. That's right, and we're about to tie you up, Joe. You're currently on staff, but you've been nominated <laughs> whoop, whoop. as an elder. I have been nominated as an elder. That's, that's super exciting, super yeah. honored, super humbled. Mm. But we also have a new elder amongst us as well. That's right. We did mention him on the last podcast, but he told us that we had to mention this at least three He's times He's so in proud a row. of it. No, I didn't. That, that he didn't is happen. now an elder. <laughs> you hooligans. We must listen to him. Oh, my. Everything he says. He's wearing a South Park t-shirt right now that says to respect his authority. It says, I belong. Oh. Ephesians 2.10. Mm. You belong Should say, to in me. Christ. That You're is. supposed to say, what's South Park? Well, hey, have you, ever, have you ever been in a situation where you're part of a team and you don't see eye to eye with the decisions that are being made? This can be especially difficult when those decisions go against your deeply held convictions or your values. And rural pastors often face this struggle with tough decisions that impact their congregation and sometimes even impact their own lives. So today we are going to explore some practical ways to navigate this challenge in a healthy and productive way so that you can stay true to your convictions while still supporting your team and your church. So we're assuming elder leadership, right? That's the model that the 
biblical churches function with. <laughs> I was waiting to see how you're going to end that sentence. Yeah. Uh, that does seem to be what the Bible teaches. And uh, we do recognize, though, that some of you guys are in a situation where you're in a church that's deacon-led. Um, we think this applies to you. Uh, you might be in a church that's board-led. Our church was board-led when I got here. Um, we had deacons. We had elders. They came together in this one thing called the board. Blah. Yes, uh, it was a challenge. You may be in some other funky situation. You might be a solo pastor, and you really don't have a, a strong leadership team around you, but there's something there. And so I just wanted to say up front, we're assuming an elder-led model, but we recognize, hey, this is going to apply to you even if you're in a deacon-led church or something like that. So it is no fun to lose a vote in a leadership meeting. Have you guys done it? Yeah. You've lost votes? I've lost votes. Josh, you were like pretend I've lost you were playing votes. at it. Yeah. <laughs> you, we, you voiced your opinion. Yeah. Like if you would have voted, you wouldn't have voted the way that the majority had voted. Yes. We gave him a weightless ceremonial vote a few times mm-hmm. just to see if he could do it. Mm-hmm. He did pretty well. And some of those he lost. He also has made motions in elders meetings before that were shot down. Mm-hmm. That almost happened last night. Yes, it did. As an elder. My As first, an elder. My first elder memo. <laughs> yep. I have, it was a good compromise, though, afterward. And yeah, that's right. for the wisdom of those I was feeling for you, though, because I know what that feels yeah. like when you put your heart into something and then it gets... Uh, stabbed. Stabbed. Yes. Poked and prodded. Shot through the heart. Yep. And you're, you're to blame. Too- <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're back to a part yep. where... What is it like and what can you do and how should you react when you lose a vote in your elder meeting? And Give us an example. Well, right? I was going to yeah. say there's a wide range. Yeah. I think probably where I have lost the most votes in elders meetings is when I have wanted to do something similar to the chicken wings. I really, to be honest with you, like I'd wanted to do an outreach or I'd wanted to do a special event at a church or I'd want to do something that the elders just didn't think was big. It was might be a little bit too big for us. And this was at a previous church. Mm. They're like, ah, you're getting ahead of yourself a little bit here. Mm. And I had gotten brained in yeah. and those sorts of things. So nothing super, super huge or theological on my end. One of the first votes I remember, and there's too many to count at this point that I've lost, was um, we were growing and the layout of the sanctuary was not conducive to a lot of things. Um, but the layout was just weird and I thought if we turned the sanctuary and made the the platform along what was the sidewall, then it would allow you to come in the an actual back door. And it just seemed like a better layout. And boy, did I get shot down on that one big time. And I remember it, it hurt. It stung a little bit. I had put a lot of time into it, a lot of thought into it. I had drawings. I thought it was a good, convincing argument. I thought it would be good for the church and just... And it was that first one, you know, where the elders, uh, the the board wasn't sure how to tell me that they didn't like my idea, mm-hmm. uh, but they voted it down. Now, th- that's fairly benign. You know, it really doesn't matter if the sanctuary is facing one way or the other. There are more challenging issues you can face as an elder where it bumps up against some of your convictions. Um, we've had examples where maybe we could probably talk about the Hillsong one, I think. So one of our elders proposed that we not sing songs by Hill, Hillsong. And we we already weren't singing most Hillsong songs because they're lousy, um, unless you like repeating the same words 4,000 times. You know what they're really good at, though, is, is build it up, drop it down, 
Build it up, drop it down. Get All that you. emotive stuff. Yeah, but get you. But anyway, Cornerstone uh, is a pretty respectable song. It's uh, kind of taken off from the solid rock, and it's not repetitive. It's There's nothing theological, theologically wrong in there, and, and the church liked it. So we just had some debate for a while about, you know, given some of the things that were going on with the Hillsong movement and the potential for us to look like a church that endorsed those kinds of teachings, we were starting to, to consider some things. And a bunch of our, you know, our elders were almost split down the middle for that thing. And um, I remember thinking like, you know, this is starting to bump up bump up against some convictional things here. This is not just a practical matter. This is how we're teaching the church. This reflects our own convictions and values. And eventually when Hillsong really started to spin out of control, we revisited that. So first time we voted, we decided to keep singing some of those songs. The second time we decided that we should not sing those songs. So we currently don't sing songs by Hillsong or Bethel because some of the things in that those movements are so flagrant that even though there's some good lyrics out there, we don't want to lend credibility to those things. And then you get goofy things like, you know, with CCLI and reporting the fact that you're in some ways supporting those groups and different elders felt differently about that. So that was a a time in our own church where we had an example of guys landing in different places convictionally. Um, And there's everything in between, you know, I had shared, that for me, it was just only in like events that I had gotten shot down. But as you were telling that story, I was thinking about it. And um, I was in an elder meeting one time, and it was actually whether we were going to vote, well, whether we were going to bring a member in. Mm. So it was very personal. Mm-hmm. And because it was a person that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And they were a friend. They were somebody that I was discipling. And there was lots of very vehement disagreement mm-hmm. within the eldership. And it was getting heated at that point too. And I think it's very easy. It's very easy to get heated in those sorts of decisions uh, between the elders. And how do we navigate that? And when it's not just us being upset or disappointed or angry or mad. Yeah. So what if it's church discipline? What if it's a case dealing with divorce and you have strong convictions? What if it's something like what we talked about on our episode with Todd Miles and it's a drug use issue, but something like marijuana that's been made legal and is used in a way that the person would argue fits within their rights as a Christian. I mean, there gets to be some pretty difficult matters that you walk through as an elder team. And, you know, that's not the, the norm, but there are going to be many times like it's, it's may not be the norm, but it's typical of an elders meeting that you're going to have some topic that has some weight to it that not all of the elders are aligned on, even when you walk out of the meeting. Now, you have to decide what you're going to do with that. You know, you're on the losing end of a vote. Maybe it's at a level where it's it's convictional. And you have to process as a Christian, as a Christian who knows you're going to stand accountable before God, as a leader of the church, um, as, as just a human, you have to process all of those things as you think about how you respond. So maybe one thing to start to think about is what it means to have a plurality of leaders. Where do we find this idea of a plurality of leaders generally? Well, the Apostle Paul in his church plants is going around and raising up elders 
It's mm. not like one elder. He's raising up elders. It's plural in the mm-hmm. book of Acts. Titus is told that he's supposed to go appoint elders in every town on Crete. <clears throat> yeah, Paul does that very work himself. Timothy is told to pour into faithful leaders who will pour into faithful mm-hmm. leaders. So there seems to be some kind of, you know, it's faithful men who will pour into faithful men, but it seems to be that there's some kind of leadership implication tied to that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's there's letters written to elders, not just an elder in the church. Um, yeah, Peter says, I exhort the elders among you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I, if I'm not mistaken, whenever it's spoken about in the New Testament, it's spoken about in a plurality. Um, so it seems that God's design for the church is that it's not just led by one man, but that, that it would be led by a plurality of men. So let's think through this argument a little bit from a, 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 the standpoint of just humility, for example. What would it look like for you to be humble in light of God's establishment of a plurality of leaders? Uh, I think Proverbs 16, 32 came to mind. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So um, recognizing if you lose a vote, then you're called to rule your spirit in such a way that honors the men you're serving with. Mm. Um we're told to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think because that's often yeah. when we fall because of pride and arrogance. And let's just park on that one yeah. for a second. So if if you recognize that God has established a plurality of leaders for your church and that you are just one of them, if you think that if you get bent out of shape because the elders voted in a way that's not consistent with your own thoughts or convictions, are you not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. You you know, in that moment, you're kind of saying to your own heart, they should have listened to me. I know what's better. So our reflex, not not even like what you force yourself to do, but our reflex as pastors should be to look at the, the wisdom of the plurality and say, they're probably right and I'm probably wrong. And that's way different to do as to, to develop that as an instinct Instead of like counseling yourself with that after you've lost a vote, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. It's very difficult to go home and not complain to your wife. Mm. It's very difficult to not be resentful. It's very difficult to be able to put your head on the pillow and be able to sleep well after you've after you've lost a vote. But that does go back to your own pride and your sense of self and how smart you are as compared to the other elders that are out there. Yeah. Or what you wanted. Or what you wanted. Mm-hmm. You the got outcome. Your, you got your feelings hurt. You didn't get what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that is a really difficult thing for us to walk our way through, it, especially as we're pastors often, because often we as pastors, while we while we are not first amongst equals, we are all equal together. Oftentimes we are one of the few staff elders, and we're the ones that spend the most amount of time talking and thinking about something. And so when we bring it, when we have a good idea and we've belabored it and thought about it and and put it down on paper and planned it all out and thought, this is going to work so well. Mm. And then three or four or five other guys who haven't spent as much time thinking about it as what you have say no, mm-hmm. that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Yeah. And that's natural. We're going to feel that. You, you have you as a human. And that becomes your baby. So there's going to be this little bit of a like a mama bear effect 
where you want to protect the idea that you've spent so much time thinking about. That's all it was for me when we turned the, the orientation of the sanctuary or didn't. You know, I, I thought it was wise. I was convinced it would be better for the church. And I wanted to protect my baby, really, at the end of the day. Um, and that was a good lesson for me to learn, uh, just in my own need to, to be humble. So, yeah, that's one thing. Come at it from a humble perspective, recognizing that there is a plurality of elders in place. You are not the chosen one who God has called to your church to make all the good and wise and right decisions every time. You are meant to be part of a plurality of leaders. You should be making every effort to have those leaders be elders. And in your mind, if you don't have that, you should be striving toward that, develop some kind of a plan and trust it to the Lord and and at least be chipping away at that thing all the time and working toward it. Um, If you are a solo pastor with no leaders around you, we're going to do an episode down the road just for you. But just a quick peek into that. Don't give up, brother. Don't just look at your congregation and say, there will never be another qualified man here unless God parachutes somebody into this thing. Start pouring into who is there and just trust the Lord. You never know what will happen. But anyway, so be humble. Function within that plurality. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Um, You know, just one more thing on that real quick. You could also run into the danger of being the I that says to the hand, I have no need of you. You know, when you look at your fellow elders that way and you discount the decision that's been made by the plurality. So, yeah, um, it's good. Now, here's the question, though, and I think this is we need to ask this. What if it's an actual theological issue? You know, you you might find yourself in a place where your elders are talking about what to do about homosexual leadership uh, or, or letting somebody in an alternative lifestyle into membership or um, some... Uh, convictional issue that touches on something that's in your statement of faith. You know, the church is thinking, you know, we want to switch our position on this convictional issue. What do you do if you find yourself in that position? Right off, there was two or three different things that you had just shared. I know, that was a wide range. (laughs) There was lots of them coming at you. So if somebody wanted to change a statement of faith or change a constitution, I think one of the things that, in my experience, people who want to make those changes want to just go make those changes, and they want to speed them up, and they don't want to follow the uh, the polity or how you are supposed to make those changes. Number one, amidst a bunch of different things, you would have to make sure that all of those steps are followed to be able to bring that before the membership and the congregation, because how you have that set up with the with the membership ultimately as the authority of the church mm-hmm. might hopefully stop, you do and hopefully you do mm-hmm. would stop that one person or one or two people from trying to leap directly to some theologically incorrect uh, decision mm-hmm. but let's say you're you're there through the fight you get through that whole process and the elders move forward with a decision that would oppose something that that you hold very convictionally dear. Um, You have to make some choices there. One is if you don't have a good statement of faith, you might be in trouble because it's just going to be you and your doctrinal position that you're trying to defend or to think through in this issue. If you have a good statement of faith, 
and I hope you do. If you don't, that's something else to work on. But um, you you can stand on that thing. You've been charged to defend that statement of faith as an elder. That is part of your responsibility. And that may mean even with your elders. So you might have to represent it to your elders. Um, if the guys aren't listening and they're changing things so nuclear as that, then you may have to get counsel. You may have to fast and you may have to pray like crazy and consider moving on. You certainly don't want to lob grenades at that church and, and blow it up. But if they're headed in a really unbiblical direction, you're going to have really difficult decisions to make and you need to process those. But the biggest things are pray like crazy, seek counsel, go slow if you can, and consider even fasting during that. Now, if it's just something that violates your conscience, um, like I grew up in a church where you were not allowed to have drums. Drums violated my conscience for a long time. Um, you, that's a totally different category. You know, that's not spelled out in your church's statement of faith. Um, it's just something that y- you've been used to being one way. You were maybe taught one way. Something like that. We, you think you should tolerate something like that? How would you handle that? Um, I was just thinking of Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli, Zwingli for whatever reason, because <laughs> Luther loved the organ. Mm. Zwingli was like, we're not going to have any organs in church, even though he's a wonderful organ player. Hmm. And um, they agreed on so many different things. Uh, that and the, the issue of communion, right? So Luther mm. was a Lutheran, and <laughs> and Zwingli was, was Presbyterian, so they had different understandings of, of communion. They literally would agree on 14 out of 15 things. Mm-hmm but they ended up being just about enemies because of that one particular thing. And so I was just contemplating that in my brain, whether that was the first primary issue or secondary issues and how the enmity would come forward and how people just become so angry at one another and they sin in their anger in these particular issues that we're dealing with. And so I guess I was my brain was going a little bit different direction. Be angry, but do not sin in your mm-hmm. anger mm-hmm. when your disagreements with your brothers, especially about an issue that would be very, very important. Whether drums were to fall into that or not, I'm not sure. No, but you're hitting the principle correctly. So you you know your your conscience has been violated. Think through it in a way that does not cause you to be divided. You know this is not a statement of faith doctrine issue. This is something that you feel very strongly about. Um, I, I speaking of music, I did speak with a pastor who said, you know, I don't think our music is congregational here, and I'm not sure I'm the guy who's ever going to be able to help us transition to that, but I can overlook that, and I can, in my mind, try to make the best out of that rather than dividing over that issue, and I can keep serving here faithfully. Somebody else might not be able to do that. Your conscience may say, no, singing is meant to be congregational. This isn't congregational if you guys aren't going to change. I need to find somewhere that I that I fit. So mm-hmm. I don't think either side is wrong. As long as you're praying, your heart is right, you're seeking good counsel, you're, I think, probably in big decisions like that, fasting, and um, it, walking through it in a way that honors the Lord above all else. So uh, anything else about that? Josh Alino? Well, one thing you didn't mention, TJ, is a good principle, mm-hmm. is God gives us a plurality of elders on purpose. Mm-hmm. and it could be the case that the plurality actually is right and you're wrong. Um, so there needs to be humility in submitting to those men as yeah. they're the shepherd of your soul as well. 
Yeah. Um, you know, you've often mentioned that in moments where a conscience decision like that is made, perhaps against your own conscience, you're trusting the Lord, resting in his sovereignty and trusting the plurality that he's given you is, is acting in wisdom because they've made a decision in the majority against the minority position. Yes. And there are more thoughts like that in an article I've written Ooh-hoo. that uh, if if you would be so kind, sir, as to share in the show notes. Done. We'll throw on our Facebook page. It'll go on our Brainerd site. We're trying to get some articles up on our Brainerd Institute site uh, by April. And so this will be out there to be consumed. Cool. By you, our loyal listeners. Maybe wrap, maybe put a bow on the conversation. Okay. <laughs> um, you're not meant to pastor alone. You're meant to pastor within a plurality. Sometimes your leaders will make decisions that you don't agree with. You need to humbly go ahead. Sometimes it's not a big deal, and sometimes it's a huge deal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you need to be able to triage that and then humbly walk through it in a way that honors the Lord, submits more than asserts, and uh, seeks God's will for the congregation, not your own. How's that? Love it. You boiled that right down really well, brother. That's a wrap. So do we have time for a quote? I think so. How about a direct quote from me and Joe and Josh? Ready? Come Come to to the expository expository workshop in Williamsport, Pennsylvania Pennsylvania on April 27th. And come to the Nine Marks Workshop at Wellsboro Bible Church on September 29th through 30th. Links in the show notes. There you go. Sorry, I said Pennsylvania instead of PA. That's okay. I never knew how it was going to go. Upon re-listening to that, it might be creepy. I'm not sure. (laughs) It's going to be very much like reading the covenant in church (laughs) or reading a creed or confession. Yeah. Think about well. I mm-hmm. think it went as well as it could have for not practicing. We always say when we read creeds and confessions, read this with conviction, not like a cult. So mm, yes. yeah, we might have just read that like a creepy cult. <laughs> I'm not sure. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Raise your Ebenezer. Hey, Josh. Yo, TJ. I was just thinking. Oh? Yeah. It's, uh, it's real nice to get emails from people, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is. It's... Like a warm, fuzzy greeting. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy getting mail and receiving Real emails mail. from people. Real you mail. like getting emails? I, yeah. Yeah, I wish email was never invented. But it has been, and I want you to use it. So uh, would you, dear lovely listener of this podcast, <laughs> please email us to say hello. Reach out, uh, encourage us, let us know where we can improve, how we can help you. This podcast exists to serve you. So let us know how we can do that better. And they can do that, Josh, by? Uh, emailing us at ruralpastorstalk at gmail.com or messaging us on facebook.com slash ruralpastorstalk. Mm, is it true they get an extra crown in their, or extra jewel in their crown in heaven if they do it? So you have prophesied. Uh-huh. All right. Well, mm. thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.